Hello and welcome to another episode of The Human in the Machine, the podcast about all things HCI. As ever, I'm your host, Professor Ben Cowan. Today's episode focuses on HCI and healthcare. In this episode, Dr. Kevin Doherty interrogates interdisciplinarity in HCI, looking at the challenges, failures, successes and joys of a decade of collaborating across cultures and disciplines when designing, developing and evaluating digital healthcare technologies. Kevin is a UCD Ad Astra Fellow and is an Assistant Professor in the School of Information and Communication Studies here at UCD. He's somewhat of a polymath as well, actually, having studied medical device design at the National College of Art and Design, with degrees in both mathematics and electronic and computer engineering, as well as a PhD in human-computer interaction from Trinity College Dublin. Through this, he's also a very well-travelled man, having studied in France and worked as a postdoc in Copenhagen. So Kevin's hugely passionate about his work and how design can change people's lives for the better. And I think this really shows through the talk and through this episode. We also got the chance to have a chat with Kevin, which was great as part of the event, uh, where he talks a bit about the future of healthcare technologies and his experiences collaborating across cultures and disciplines with design. We recorded this live and I really like the outcome of this. So we're trying, going to try it out for the next few weeks uh, and see how that goes. Uh, again, if you like what you hear, please remember to follow us and give us a review. But without further ado, please sit back and enjoy. But without further ado, uh, please welcome Kevin Doherty. <laughs> Thanks, Ben. That's quite the welcome. So, well, today I'm going to talk about interdisciplinarity as a topic in HCI. So this is a topic which I think is interesting to many in the room here, which is why I chose it. And it's a topic which is kind of both fundamental to HCI as a field and also raises as many questions as answers when it comes to how we see ourselves in relation to the work we do. So I thought I would start with just a kind of brief introduction to myself, much as it relates to the topic of today. So I myself have a fairly interdisciplinary background I did my undergraduate degrees in engineering, electronic and computer engineering. And I did a master's then in France in the same topic. And I spent some time working as an engineer after my studies. And at some point I became particularly interested in understanding not only the systems we're building, but users' experiences of them. And so at that point in time, I made the decision to go back and complete a master's in medical device design at the National College of Art and Design in Dublin here on Thomas Street. And during my experiences during that master's, I gained an interest in the healthcare space in particular, and then went on to do a PhD in a computer science department in Trinity College Dublin in the topic of human-computer interaction. So over the years, I've moved between engineering schools, art and design schools, and now here I find myself in a social science school. So I have this kind of interdisciplinary background which has often been of advantage to me in the work I've done, but also a challenge in terms of figuring out exactly what is my profile as a researcher and as a professional. So my work as a researcher broadly concerns the design, development and evaluation of a range of health and mental health care technologies. So I'm interested in particular in developing new tools to support the practice of online and face-to-face -face therapy I'm also interested in how we might leverage health data to support care for chronic comorbid conditions. And I'll talk a little bit later about some of the work I've been doing in that space. 
And then kind of more broadly, I'm also interested in the practice of design research, the kinds of methods and processes that we can use in doing design in clinical contexts in particular. And so in this work over the years, I've worked with a wide range of collaborators from the Irish Health Service to the NHS in the UK, the Danish health system, and also a range of companies and startups from Silver Cloud Health to Monsenso Digital and some medical device companies also. So I give you that background just to kind of give you a sense of my perspective on this topic as I come to it today. And as you'll all of course be aware as students of the MSc and ITI program, digital technologies of all kinds are kind of shaping our lives increasingly in many diverse respects and particularly in the digital health space. So, you know, many here today might even be wearing a watch which is tracking your, uh, you know, your health in various ways. You might have used kind of virtual reality devices which are increasingly being used in the health context as well. And so these systems have a lot of potential to impact our well-being and also the practice of healthcare. And yet they're not without their challenges. So this slide which I put up here shows an image from an article published by a medical doctor in the US in the New Yorker. And the title of this article is Why Doctors Hate Their Computers. And this is something that we actually hear a lot as researchers in the health technology space, that doctors don't necessarily have an entirely positive view on the potential of technology, not to speak for all doctors, but are also aware of the challenges that exist in deploying and using these technologies in the health space. And there are many legitimate challenges. So in this article, Atal Gawande recounts the rollout of a new medical record system, EPIC, in Boston, Massachusetts General Hospital in the section for primary care. And so this, house, this uh, new record system was rolled out with the ambition of improving the efficiency of practice within the hospital, facilitating note-taking, the storage of data, collaboration and coordination around care and so on. And so the various hospital doctors and other administrative staff, nursing teams and so on, went through a period of training where they learned how to use this system. The system was deployed in practice. And what the doctors quickly found was that they were actually spending more time interacting with the system during consultations than they were with patients themselves, at least in their viewpoints. So what the hospital decided to do was to make use of medical trainees. So they bring medical trainees into the consultation room who would take notes during consultations on behalf of the doctor. So instead of having one doctor in the hospital, in the consultation room, now you had two. And so, of course, the hospital had realized that this was not a particularly cost-efficient way of going about healthcare. And so the decision was made then to instead record these consultations, send those recordings to medical doctors in India, who would then transcribe those recordings at a cheaper rate, make notes, and send those notes back to the US hospital. So you had the situation where a system that was implemented with the idea of improving efficiency, uh, improving the coordination of care within a single hospital, in reality was leading to these inequalities in the global practice of healthcare. And so this is of course a somewhat extreme example, but these are the kind of complex human challenges that we face when designing and deploying new health technologies. And so the reality is that the systems we're building, the purposes which are being deployed, and their human context of use are growing only increasingly complex. So, Engineers today, for example, are often not only 
working with bits and pixels, but also with the experiences of the users who interact with the systems that they're building. And this creates many new challenges for us. And these are challenges which many HCI researchers argue are best addressed through interdisciplinary approaches to design. And so this is what I'm going to talk a little bit about today. And there's no question that technology development is quite an interdisciplinary endeavor. So often in the development of a novel digital health solution, we have computer scientists, psychologists, public health researchers, anthropologists, even the occasional philosopher. And this, of course, has great advantages, brings lots of different expertise to the team, but also raises questions about how we manage that approach to working. All that said, interdisciplinary ways of working are certainly seen as essential. I'll just move over here to take a close look at the slide. So these are some quotes from HCI researchers and others who have talked about the essential nature of interdisciplinarity. So interdisciplinary work has been described as essential to facilitate moving between individually established facts to meet the complex challenges we face with more dynamic applications of emerging technology. That working in these ways gives us better chances for success than solitary efforts. And that these kind of ways of working can also lead us as researchers to meet at the interfaces and frontiers of our disciplines, to take advantage of each other's expertise, and also potentially to develop new disciplines and new ways of working. And yet, it's not entirely clear what it means to be interdisciplinary. I wonder, I might ask, how many in the room would say you have a clear sense for what your discipline is, whether that's research or as a profession? If you could raise your hand if you have a clear sense for that, do you think? So this seems like a worthwhile topic for today. <laughs> um, not that I have all the answers, but I'll try to provide some guidance. And so this challenge has been recognized by HCI researchers also. So HCI researchers have written that, depending on how you look at it, human-computer interaction has either no home or too many homes. We're multidisciplinary without necessarily having become particularly interdisciplinary. That successful interdisciplinary team research requires us to go beyond abstract notions of collaboration and that the agenda of design is a challenge to academics across all disciplines. And this question of design is something you will have heard a lot about in the HCI program so far, and it's something that concerns many of us as professionals, no matter our backgrounds. And design is a process and a set of methods that certainly does require and often has the advantage of bringing together different disciplines. So particularly as the digital technologies we're building um, enable us to shape, structure, and support care in new ways, it's worth keeping in mind that these technologies and their implications for practice, they don't come to us predefined, predetermined, readily implemented, nor easily understood. These systems we actually craft through a process of design. And so design itself, of course, means many things to many people. It probably means many things to the many people in this room. I've recently spent some time in Denmark and I'll talk about some of my research in that context a little later. And Denmark as a Scandinavian country, of course, is famed for their design. And often when we think about design in that context, we might think about this kind of classic example of minimalist interior design. We might also think about branding, about visual design, about the use of typography and white space, about aesthetics. 
And then we might also think about this little monkey. This requires some explanation. So this little monkey is found in many Danish homes. It was developed by a Danish designer called Kai Boysen. And many Danish people see it as really emblematic of the kind of joyful way, way in which they approach life. And this kind of symbol of the Danish culture is found in many homes, as I say. And so this is also another way in which design has an impact on our lives. So when we talk about design, however, we're not just thinking about design in terms of aesthetics, but also as a craft, as process, as methodology, as an approach to problem solving and a creative mindset. And there are many de definitions of design out there. Just one which I'll flag to you today, which I often employ in my own work, comes from Bruno Latour. And he describes design as involving the inscription of modes of use, which yield artifacts, which carry with them scripts that inhibit or preclude certain actions while inviting or demanding others. So as designers who make decisions, which influences the experiences of the users of the technologies that we develop. And HCI as a field emphasizes the importance of process in building upon those experiences of users. You probably have heard about human-centered, user-centered, service-oriented, participatory approaches to design. In my own work, there's kind of three main tenets of my practice. So the kind of design and research work that I do, I strive to do in a way that is human-centered, that is focused on the uses of those systems that's interdisciplinary, that draws on my own background and also draws on the background of the many people with, with which I work. And also that is caring, that I constantly question in my work, what does it mean to care? And so you can see by bringing a perspective like this, we're drawing on insight, not only from the field of engineering, for example, but psychology, sociology, and more broadly. So to go back to the question of interdisciplinarity, I would ask you whether you have a clear sense for what interdisciplinary research involves, but I feel I haven't yet given you enough context to answer that question. This is, I think, an ISIT definition which comes from Abulela et al. And they write that interdisciplinary research is any study or group of studies undertaken by scholars from two or more distinct scientific disciplines. That this research is based upon a conceptual model that links or integrates theoretical frameworks from those disciplines uses study design and methodology that is not limited to any one field and requires the use of perspectives and skills of those involved disciplines throughout multiple phases of the research process. So I think this is quite a nice definition, but also quite an involved one. And so there have also been efforts to interrogate interdisciplinarity in other ways, to ask what is it we mean by interdisciplinarity? On the slide here, I have several different frameworks and I'll just touch on one, which I think describes kind of a more colloquial way in which we would talk about interdisciplinarity. So you might have heard not only interdisciplinarity, but the terms multidisciplinarity and transdisciplinarity. And so these are concepts that researchers have introduced to try to make sense of the various ways in which we work. And we can think about this as a spectrum from, from multidisciplinary ways of working, where we're working on a, on a project, on a problem, as uh, researchers or professionals coming from distinct disciplinary backgrounds, but we work in fairly parallel ways. Interdisciplinarity, it is argued here, involves kind of closer ways of working on a project, still involving the engagement of researchers and professionals from distinct backgrounds. And then we might also talk about transdisciplinarity. And so this, this is an approach which tries to cut across disciplines 
and enable us to work towards problem solving in ways that really combine the skills, the theoretical frameworks from different disciplines in a much more cohesive way. And, you know, talking about disciplines and coming back to digital health, there's no doubt that digital health technology development is a practice and a, an area of work that involves people from many different disciplines. So this can be researchers and professionals from the STEM sciences, from science, technology, engineering and mathematics, and also from the humanities, the arts and the social sciences. I might ask those in the room to put up your hand if you feel that you have a background that is more in the, the STEM field. Okay, about almost 50%. And in humanities, arts and social sciences, again, about 50%. So I think that's a, a kind of really interesting mix in the room. And of course, these are not clear lines between disciplines, but I think it's helpful to have a sense for what do you bring to the work that you do? And this has a lot of value, but also can make things complicated when it comes to engaging in kind of the complex realities of design in the real world. So often those of us with backgrounds in the sciences, the, in terms of the STEM fields, um, we're taught to approach problem solving in a way which strives for simplicity and abstraction. We try to figure out what are the important factors in this context, how can we develop relationships between those, build equations, develop solutions in that way. Then again, researchers from uh, with more social science backgrounds uh, are taught to embrace complexity, to explore conflicting perspectives, and really to approach problem solving in a way which tries to make the most of differences between people and contexts. And so while we talk about the value of interdisciplinarity, it's also important to keep in mind that we often hold within us very different ways of approaching problem solving. And again, some HCI researchers have written about what exactly interdisciplinary, interdisciplinary work takes in practice. And so I'll just touch on a few quotes here. So it's been said that undertaking research and writing papers as researchers requires multiple disciplinary perspectives and methods, and that this is a serious challenge. It's been said that despite research as to why HCI should be integrated into interdisciplinary collaborations between health sciences and technology, there is more limited work focused on how exactly we do that. It's been said that the mere addition of researchers from various disciplines or with different academic backgrounds is not sufficient to make a piece of research interdisciplinary. And it's also been asked, at what point do we lose track of our core disciplines as we try to work in these interdisciplinary ways? Do we begin to struggle to know what to teach at the institutions at which we're employed as academics, for example? Ben and I believe we have some answers to these questions. We'd be happy to know. And I think what these quotations from literature underlie is just that this is a kind of real challenge. And it's not one that just concerns us as academics or as researchers, but for you here, you know, as young researchers yourselves or with an interest in professional careers, it's very important that you're able to articulate what is your profile? What do you bring to a project? And so I think it's important to be able to engage with these kind of questions. So in the remainder of this talk, I'm going to interrogate interdisciplinarity in the case of three projects that I've been involved in over the years. And they're quite different projects and I think involve different kinds of interdisciplinary ways of working. So the first is a project in the context of Irish rehabilitation care. The second is in the case of English perinatal mental health care. 
and the third in the Danish context of general practice. So this was a project on which I worked at the National Rehabilitation Hospital in Dublin. And this work I did towards the end of my master's in medical device design. So at the start of this work, I was a master's student myself. And then I carried that work over into the years to follow. And so as part of that master's program, I'd spent some time at the National Rehabilitation Hospital. And I was working with speech and language therapists there. And part of their work was to support the rehabilitation of people who'd, been, who'd experienced traumatic brain injuries, often following car crashes, for example, or other serious accidents. And in my time in the hospital, I realized that one of the challenges they faced was they had very little capacity to make use of digital technologies in their therapeutic practices. And part of the reason for this was simply that many of the kinds of techniques they might use weren't available through mobile applications on tablet devices, for example, which they would use in their uh, therapeutic practice. And so kind of having taken on board this realization, I volunteered to work with the rehabilitation therapists in the hospital to develop a new series of applications that could support their, the practice of their care. And so the aim here was really to overcome the constraints of poor usability and inflexible design in existing interfaces while empowering patients and supporting the needs of health professionals. So I developed four mobile applications um, with the overall aim of realizing a maximally adaptable and flexible form of interface design. So the idea was that the interfaces that each of these applications presented could be tailored not only to the device, but to the patient in front of the health professional. And these applications involved uh, an accessible radio interface, a YouTube interface, a personal photo and music center, and a tile-based communication app that would be used during speech and language therapy sessions. And so these applications were developed to facilitate communication between staff, patients, and their families, were deployed in therapy sessions, and facilitated remembering experiences, as well as access to entertainment, which was often uh, a facet of life that patients in the rehabilitation hospital felt they had lost out on, partly because of the poor usability of the kinds of interfaces that they would have used previously. And so in the case of each of the projects I'll present today, I'm just going to give a kind of brief overview of what that work looked like and then talk about what was the nature of the interdisciplinarity in these projects. So in this project, there were really two people involved. Myself, I frame myself here as a software developer, an interaction designer and also the senior speech and language therapist which, with whom I was working at the time. And so I've come to think about this as kind of a practice-oriented interdisciplinarity. It, there wasn't a strong research component to this work in the sense that we wanted to approach this in a particularly scholarly way that we might then publish, but really what we bro both brought to this project was our skills from unique disciplines, so from software engineering and design and then speech and language therapy. And so I think this kind of skill-based interdisciplinarity is, some, is one that is often encountered in, in industry, for example, and involves a spontaneous meeting of professional skills and experiences. And here we're speaking from professional experience rather than from the academic disciplines with, with which we might feel aligned. And I think it's, important, it's worth asking to what extent was this interdisciplinary? To what extent was this successful? And is this a sustainable model of practice? So although we had quite some impact in this project in terms of 
building a new technology that was deployed in the practice of clinical care that was used by patients across the hospital. Because of this kind of skill-based and practice-oriented approach, it's not necessarily a particularly sustainable way of working in the sense that when you build a digital technology, there's a need to build capacity within the hospital itself and to maintain the presence of those skills, to keep those technologies up to date and to address kind of the evolving needs of the hospital or whatever context in which we're working. So the, the second example I'm going to move to is drawn from the work of my own PhD. And so this was a project I led in the UK's National Health Service. And this project focused on perinatal well-being. So in the UK and many other countries, as many as 20% of women experience perinatal depression. Depression in the period of pregnancy or one year following birth. And this can be quite a significant concern. So suicide, for example, is the leading cause of mortality among pregnant women in the UK. And although as many as 50% of um, I'm sorry, as many as 90% of midwives report that they ask women about their uh, emotional well-being during pregnancy. As few as one in 10 women recall actually being uh, asked these questions. And so there's a gap here in terms of the practice of care. Mid the midwives are very aware that this is an area of need for women. However, women are often reluctant to report how they're feeling in part because of fears around what kinds of care might ensue and what the implications of that might be. And so this was a project on which I worked with Microsoft Research Cambridge, with Imperial College London, the School of Public Health there, and also Trinity College Dublin. And in the conduct of this work, which uh, was a project lasting five years, we developed a mobile application and a clinical interface to support the self-report of well-being during pregnancy. So this was called Bright Self, and this was a mobile app we developed with pregnant women, with midwives, with public health researchers, and with computer scientists. It was deployed across 14 NHS midwifery clinics um, and used by 355 pregnant women. And these women provided 2,280 reports of their well-being during daily life over a period of nine months. And to, these reports were done in a variety of ways, but one form of self-reporting was a validated scale known as the Edinburgh Postnatal Depression Scale. And should women reach certain thresholds when they reported based on this scale, they would then receive a phone call from midwife asking, how can we help you with how you're feeling? What kind of supports can we offer you? And so using this technology, 39 women reported a risk of depression and received immediate midwife support in this way. And so this project on the whole was a very systematic process which involved literature review, theory development, design research, study protocol and technology design, clinical deployment of a novel health technology, analysis of data gathered from its use, and then reflection on the success and the challenges of engaging in this work. So similarly to the previous project, I put on screen here an overview of the various professionals involved in this project. So at the heart of this project, there were really two people who led the work. There was myself as a design researcher, as a computer scientist and a PhD researcher at the time, and a collaborator, Jose Marcano Belisario in Imperial College London, who was a medical doctor and a public health researcher. 
And so the interdisciplinarity in this project involved us both, and then also a broader team of computer scientists at Microsoft Research and Trinity College Dublin, public health researchers, and then of course the various health professionals we involved in our research, and the midwives and pregnant women that we worked with. And so in total there were you know, upwards of four or five hundred people involved in this, this piece of research. And I think this is an interesting example of a research-oriented approach to interdisciplinarity. So certainly there were many disciplines involved in this project and it had a kind of cohesive central goal which was directly related to a set of outcomes grounded in research. So we had this five-year formal research and technology development agenda and it was a large team but we did largely work within our own disciplinary boundaries. So I, for example, would have conducted user-centered research, designed a system, developed it, and then with the support of our colleagues in public health, we would have deployed that in ways which were likely to result in uptake and engagement from uh, not only health professionals, but women themselves. And so this was a mixed methods approach, and it was also oriented around some quite well-defined outcomes of interest. So at the heart of this work, we were interested in some research questions which related to user engagement, mechanisms of self-report, and also experiences of well-being. And so we had those research questions as kind of centerings for this broader project. And each discipline involved in this work was granted appropriate autonomy to act within the scope of our own disciplines, whether that be design efforts or clinical recruitment. And this project also benefited, I think, from a very highly motivated core of researchers. So although we had a kind of very broad team involved, at the heart of this work was myself as a PhD researcher and my colleague in London in the same uh, role. And so a PhD is a strong motivator. And I think this is really a benefit in this sense in that we were able to hold this project together and drive its aims. The third and final example I'm going to touch on relates to some work I've been doing more recently in Denmark and relates to the practice of mental health care in Danish general practice. So as many as 5% of the Danish general population are estimated to experience one form or another of severe mental illness, as the medical literature terms it in their lifetime. That might be schizophrenia, major depression, or bipolar disorder. And this uh, slice of the population, unfortunately, um, has a life expectancy 15 to 20 years less than the broader general population. And so this was a national project initiated in Denmark with the aim of figuring out what could we do about this? And one of the main motivations for this was the fact that prior literature had shown that this deficit in life expectancy was not a result of um, factors relating necessarily to their psychiatric diagnosis, but actually related to uh, care they didn't receive in other respects in terms of physical conditions like cancer and diabetes, which in fact were the leading causes of death. And so, our task in this project was to figure out why this happens and what might we do about it. And so this project was called the SOFIA project and I was working on this project at the time as a postdoctoral researcher at the Technical University of Denmark. I was working with a team of other academics 
student developers, designers and researchers there, and also with collaborators in Copenhagen University in particular in the section for general practice. And again, in this work we adopted a user-centered participatory approach to designing a novel digital health technology with the ambition of deploying this in the practice of uh, primary care in Denmark. And one of the kind of main uh, threads of this work, which we came to realize was particularly important in developing this technology and deploying it in primary care in particular, was that these systems should support relationships between patients and health professionals. So what we heard from patients and also from general practitioners was that many of the reasons which patients didn't receive this somatic healthcare was because they didn't feel comfortable sharing with their health professionals. Their uh, mental health diagnoses often took the priority in consultations. And so this proved and generated challenges for the relationship between those health professionals, which then had further implications for the care they received. And so we developed, uh, working with a startup company in Copenhagen, a mobile application and a clinical interface. And the idea was that this system would enable patients to gather data about their experiences in daily life as were relevant and meaningful to them. They would then share them with their general practitioners. And during consultations, it is that data that would lead, in a sense, set the agenda for the kinds of conversations that we'd ha they would have. And our aspiration was that approaching the consultations this way would then have a positive effect on their relationships also. And so just to talk about Again, the people involved in this project. So this was an even larger team compared to the, the project I just talked about previously in terms of the disciplines involved. So in this project, we had involved computer scientists, human interaction researchers, also psychiatrists, epidemiologists, and a wide range of social science researchers. I worked very closely with some anthropologists during this work and also uh, public health researchers, as well as practicing general practitioners and a wide range of patients with a variety of different conditions. So this again is a project which really has a very broad disciplinary base. And so the question is, for me in reflecting on this work, what kind of disciplinarity was involved here? And I think an interesting aspect of this work was that it was a project in which the paradigms which we bring to our work as researchers coming from distinct disciplines was very much evident. And I'll explain a little bit what I mean by this in a moment. So as I talked about previously when I was talking about the kinds of disciplines that each of you come from and the differences between the ways in which computer scientists might work, for example, and uh, social science researchers, often we bring to our work different kinds of epistemologies. So we have different ways of valuing the kinds of data that we think are valuable. We have different ways of working in terms of the methods that we bring. And as I've said multiple times in this talk, this is of course one of the great values of interdisciplinary ways of working, but also a, a real challenge. And particularly working in the medical context where there are significant ethical challenges, responsibilities for care, this can have the effect of sharpening those interdisciplinary boundaries. So where a computer scientist, for example, might be interested in gathering data to feed a machine learning algorithm, the health professional is most concerned with who's monitoring that data, who has responsibility if a patient reports that they're not feeling so well and need access to care, who will ensure that that kind of care is delivered. And so these are kind of, 
as I say, very valid and legitimate concerns for all of the researchers involved, which requires some careful navigation. And to do this, I think leadership is important and also effective listening between professionals. And I think it's important note, worth noting here also that the ambition of this project was not just to develop a new technology, but a new paradigm for care, which required this coherent, well-articulated and persistently communicated vision for what care might look like. So it was important in doing this work as a professional who was involved in designing those technologies that we didn't center the technology, but actually centered the practice of care that we were trying to realize. So I just have a few final reflections uh, on interdisciplinarity. I'm going to start with asking what makes interdisciplinarity, interdisciplinary work work in practice. And these are some things that others have said about what, what helps. Um, the first is to focus on the problem rather than the disciplines involved. So you've heard me say the word interdisciplinary far too many times in this talk for a word with so many syllables. And it is a word that has value in many different ways. So you will hear Ben and myself, for example, talk about the interdisciplinary nature of the program here and how we genuinely believe that's of real value in your own learning and in the work that we do. However, it's also important that we don't make that interdisciplinarity the ultimate objective. We do this work to try to solve problems in the real world. What's also important is the ability to articulate and defend positionality. So I think this is a, an interesting aspect of doing interdisciplinary work in that it's slightly contradictory, but it does require us to know our own disciplines, to know why we act in the ways we do, why we think certain methods have value. It also involves um, the importance of prioritizing relationships over hierarchies. So there has been a lot of research um, showing the negative impact of hierarchical ways of working on teams. Just before this, I was in a two-hour seminar slash workshop on effective ways of working in teams in the healthcare context. And this is an aspect that was really um, stressed in that uh, context. And so this team dynamic can reflect and must reflect neither the extreme of perfect unison or unbridled conflict, but there must be a safe space in which those kinds of conversations can happen. We need to respect each other's expertise. And I think quite importantly, this includes the ability to make mistakes gracefully. Mistakes do happen. Mistakes happen when you're doing this kind of complex work and it's important to have the, um, an attitude which, which ensures it is possible to have those kinds of conversations. It requires interdisciplinary leadership. And I think this is quite an interesting concept, which potentially requires some kind of uh, further development. I'd be curious to hear your own thoughts on this here. It also involves enthusiasm, reciprocity, and a willingness to take on tasks together. I just wanted to quickly flag that there are varying perspectives on interdisciplinarity within the literature. So Alan Blackwell, for example, has quite an interesting take on HCI. And so as HCI researchers, we often claim that we are interdisciplinary. And Alan Blackwell claims that we should embrace this. We shouldn't say that HCI is a discipline in itself, but that it is fundamentally interdisciplinary, that our role in the kind of work we do is to be awkward 
is to challenge the boundaries between other disciplines, to bring people together in ways that maybe other professionals don't have the ability to do. Another interesting take on interdisciplinarity is put forward by Blevis et al. And they talk about fourth wave transdisciplinarity. So you might have heard at this point about the three waves of human-computer interaction. HCI is often described as beginning with a wave of research focused on human factors, then turning towards human actors, recognizing the autonomy that we have as agents in relation to technology use, and then thirdly, moving towards a focus on user and human experience. Well, Blevis et al. argue that we might imagine a fourth wave of HCI, which is focused on transdisciplinarity. And I, I won't go into too much detail on kind of each of these takes as it would require a little more time than we have, but anyone's interested, I can share some readings. And then the last take I'd like to flag here is um, from Wright et al. And they argue for a very radical form of liberal arts interdisciplinarity where they take a stance which challenges the scientific approaches we bring to our research and argues that rather than focusing on these kind of precise uh, ways of uncovering evidence, ways of going about research, we should prioritize users' experiences. So the user experience, the human experience, should be at the heart of what we do. And in this work, they propose adopting a humanities-oriented perspective. So a final note on health technology design as an inter interdisciplinary practice. I think it's important to mention that not all research needs to be interdisciplinary. So lots of good research has been done and can be done, which does not need to be interdisciplinary in nature. I think it's also import important to note, however, that designing for meaningful user experiences and at the same time medical safeguards, this is not a trivial practice, not a trivial question. And they do involve not only different ways of working, but of, of being in the world. Do we focus on risk? Do we focus on possibility? And these are important questions for us to engage with. I think there exists a need to further develop resources to support interdisciplinary ways of working. And I think another point which really is a challenge in the work we do as health technology designers and developers is that interdisciplinary research does not only involve gaining knowledge, but it actually involves building systems. So we do ultimately need to make some choices to make those things happen. And it's often around that practice of decision making that interdisciplinary boundaries can find their differences. I also think that it's important to focus on the joy of interdisciplinary research. So this can be quite difficult work to do. I have skimmed over the projects I've done here. I haven't talked about the kind of legal complications of doing work in this context, of the kind of difficult conversations that it involves, of the travel that it involves, of the energy and effort and time that it involves. And I think it's very important that we maintain a focus on the joy that this kind of work brings us so as to sustain us in doing this kind of research. I'll end just by, by uh, on this note, um, by noting that a culture of collaboration does not just happen, but it must be formed and fashioned by many hands. I put on screen here some of my many wonderful collaborators over the years, and I'm looking forward to collaborating with each of you this summer, whatever kinds of research you might be engaged in. So thanks for your time.
Thanks so much, Kevin, for telling us about this really important subject. Uh, remember, if you like the podcast, please follow us and remember to drop us a review. All that's left for me to say is thanks so much for listening. I've been Ben Cowan, and don't let the machines get you down. Until next time.